1: You're listening to a special Worldwide Exchange podcast. In this CNBC exclusive, Brian Sullivan speaks with some of the biggest names in energy from the annual Goldman Sachs Global Energy and Clean Tech Conference in Miami Beach.
2: Nick DeLasso, CEO of Chesapeake. We're glad you made it here as well, but thank you for joining us. Uh, thank you and Happy New Year. I don't Happy New Year. I don't have some great insight question at the beginning other than what in the heck is happening with the price of
0: natural gas it's absolutely imploding yeah so natural gas interestingly has come down quite a bit as we go into 2023 but we're still at a level that's really profitable for the industry when we talk about bad natural gas prices in our industry we're used to talking about prices that go down below two dollars and for us to be at around four dollars is still a great price for our company and given that as we entered 2022 we still had a lot of hedges from past periods our realized price in 2023 will be about the same as it was in 2022 so we still see a huge future for natural gas uh-huh. as the supply demand fundamentals are tremendous for the long term and we're really excited about where the price is today the,
2: the, the median price stock price for chesapeake of analysts is about 144 dollars. you're at about 89 or 90 dollars a share so you're hugely below where wall street thinks you should be talk to your investors right now how much of the difference between $8 nat gas and $4 nat gas, obviously a $4 difference, how much of that is pure net
0: income, pure profit versus just higher other costs? Well, quite a bit, of course, but we've never had $8 nat gas price embedded in our stock price. We've really, if you look at the price that's implied in our stock price over the last year, it's always been in the threes at at the best, the low threes. And so we still think there's a tremendous amount of upside our stock price in the current natural gas environment. We
2: just had a chart. If we could bring it back up, guys. Dallas Fed just had a survey of folks like you asked where you see natural gas prices at the end of this year. 30, what is that, 35 percent-ish, saw it between 5 and 5.99. Another 20 percent were 6 to 6.99. How would you have answered that, Nick?
0: Well, we actually think that in 2023, natural gas prices are going to remain around where they are now. Uh, We think that really you don't see an increase in gas prices until you have the structural demand increase of LNG export capacity coming online 2024, 2025 and into the second half of the decade. And then we think there is a huge amount of growth for price as we have a a big increase in demand.
2: And this is such a critical point in the industry that there is no new natural gas export capacity coming online this year and maybe not until later in 24, That's right. So how important is that to the
0: price of natural gas? Well, it's very important. And so we do expect, like I said, prices to stay around where they are now. And in the short term, of course, prices can always drop a bit or go up a bit uh, based on weather or anything else. But what we know is that with the very best assets in the industry and the best balance sheet of the natural gas producers, we're better positioned to handle the volatility of gas prices that you've seen over the last six months and what we could see over the next year.
2: Is there, you know, the the administration has been asking for more production, oil, Nat gas. I know you guys, not just you, but the industry has been trying, there are still some labor issues, inflation issues. Is there a price of Nat gas? Maybe it's $3.90 at which you pull back your capital spending you you take
0: away the drill bit as they say of course there is a price but right now is it 390 well, at 390, we're still making really attractive profits on our assets. We have the very best rock, the best returns, and, and we say the best runway as well, of natural gas assets in the US. And so we really like the price where it is today. We're running a relatively modest yep. program. We're not growing our production significantly right now. In fact, our production is going to be essentially flat over the next couple of years. And that's designed intentionally to be flat until we see that structural well, increase Well, Why is New demand.
2: England importing liquefied natural gas from Trinidad when you guys have a giant gas
0: Field, like 200 miles away? Yeah, we just don't have the infrastructure to deliver the gas there. You'll see that this winter, New England will pay about three times the national average to heat their homes. And with it, more infrastructure, we could levelize that to the average of the United States very, very quickly.
2: Nick Dylasso, Chesapeake Energy, really appreciate your views. Thanks for kicking off the conference for it. First guest, first victim. Jack Fusco joining us now. And Jack, uh, it's our, we got to stop meeting like this multiple years. And some years the price of Nat Gas is at two, sometimes at eight, now it's at four. Earlier today, we interviewed the CEO of Chesapeake. They want higher Nat Gas prices. They sell to companies like you. As an LNG exporter, are lower prices, what we're showing our viewers on the numbers, are those actually good for Chenier?
1: Yeah, well, thank you, Brian. Thanks for having me here today. Uh, for us, um, we're kind of indifferent. As you know, 90% of our Production is sold long-term, it's sold at an index to Henry Hub, so we as a company are indifferent to the price of natural gas, but we prefer it to be lower for our customers. That makes us more competitive worldwide, because their overall costs are less worldwide.
2: Well, you have global competitors, but you also have a growing number of U.S. competitors, some that are actively exporting, some that are still in the process of, of, of building out. Do you worry that the U.S. LNG industry is going to overbuild and sort of cannibalize itself? Or is there enough global demand to not worry about that?
1: Now, you know, I don't worry much about the U.S. competition for Chenier. We we um, um, because there's a there's a lot of uh, tailwinds and headwinds associated with building LNG facility. One, it's extremely expensive. It's a very capital intensive uh, proposition. There's only so much capital that really wants to build nat- natural gas infrastructure uh, in the world. So, uh, so I so I don't worry about that aspect of it. The other thing is the infrastructure in the U.S. We need more pipelines. Yeah. We need to touch more basins. Uh, it's been very difficult to build pipelines throughout the U.S. for a whole host of reasons. Um, I feel good about our position. I'm glad that that we're already $40 billion into our, our investment horizon and we've launched another uh, $7 billion infrastructure uh, expansion project at Corpus Christi in Texas, but uh, but I'm not overly worried about it. I think um, that, that uh, we'll see continued tightness in LNG uh, for a very, very long time. Globally. Globally.
2: More demand than supply
1: much more demand than supply.
2: Analysts I've talked to said they do worry not that you're not going to be able to find a customer to sell to but that you're not going to be able to get not you but a pipeline company like a Plains or a Williams or an energy transfer is not going to be able to build the pipelines they need to get their gas to you.
1: It's gotten a lot harder to build pipelines but I think ultimately if they if they partner up with us and we and we have a needs story that we can uh, that we can make because as you know we commercialize for the long term that that things get done. Yeah. I mean, we we ourselves were able to build a two hundred and sixty mile pipeline uh, from Oklahoma into into Louisiana. So we're we we feel pretty good about uh, about our ability that, to continue that to build uh, infrastructure.
2: The image. Okay, so without diving into the dirty world of politics, I wouldn't ask you to do that. But energy is a political topic, yeah. And there seems to be a change in the White House on how they perceive fossil fuels. It was sort of. Do away with them now. It's we need more production. Are you seeing that on the ground? Do you feel a change on the regulatory side, or is it still tough?
1: No, we we feel a big shift. You know, as the as the the White House and the administration has recognized that energy security, energy security for our allies, is extremely important, um, and that we have a role to play in that. Um, You know, things have gotten better, for lack better, of a better okay. a, a better word, as far as uh, the regulatory infrastructure. Less
2: bad or better?
1: <laughs> I, I, I'd rather I, not say. Don't answer that. Yeah,
2: uh, I was in mm-hmm. Europe recently and talking about the European energy crisis, which some people are saying, oh, it's fine now. They're full of storage. Obviously, they're not next year or this year. It's going to be much harder. I ran the numbers, and roughly it's 10 to 12 LNG ships from Chenier to make 1 billion cubic feet of gas once it's regasified. Europe would need about 350 more LNG ships yeah. to fill the Russia gap. Obviously, that's not possible. We don't have the capacity, do we? And they don't have the import capacity. How much bigger could we be in five years?
1: Okay, so we today, we take about 8% of all net gas in America. We buy it from 70 different producers. We, proce- we send it uh, to our two facilities. We process it, and we send out two tankers a day we're in we're in the midst of having our expansion project that will probably add uh, another another tanker a day of of processing maybe um, yeah about a tanker tanker and a half a day of processing so that's three a day Um, and that's within the next three to five years Um, there's a few other facilities that are going to start up in that timeline like uh, golden pass which, which is, is under Exxon construction Qatar with car
2: joint venture in texas
1: Exactly there's there's LNG Canada but there's not out of Vancouver out of Vancouver there's not enough though I I I don't believe to meet 100% of the needs And and Europe. you
2: and I and I I know we got uh, Carl and, and Mike there I think they might want to ask a question as well but you gave me a number before we interviewed I I don't get stumped easily Jack but I kind of did one of these You said that China's building a trillion dollars in natural gas or energy infrastructure. I mean,
1: yeah, most of that's Asia. That's a big
2: number, even for China. Uh, what does that mean for you and the U.S. LNG industry?
1: So, um, around the world today, Brian, there's about 1.3 trillion dollars of net gas-related infrastructure being built. Uh, out of the 1.3 trillion, about 300 million million of that is, is associated with Europe and all those regas yep. terminals and pipelines. The other trillion is Asia. Uh, out of that trillion, it's around 800 million of the trillion is just China alone. That's power plants, that's regas terminals, it's pipelines. These are long-lived assets, right? Some of our contracts now go out to 2050, so we're we're, we're going to be around for a long, yeah. a long time, and that gas is here to stay. How
2: do you view the competition? So Europe benefited from the fact that China locked down so hard with COVID, because China then didn't need some of the gas, maybe not yours, but some of your competitors were able to, we would watch the ships. They would be on their way to Asia. They would turn around and go to Europe. They would resell those cargoes at probably massive margins, not to you, but for whoever owned those cargoes. Are you sensing that China, quote, is fully back? And if so, Jack, what would that mean for Europe which was getting a lot of gas because China didn't want it.
1: Yeah, I, I'm not sensing China's fully back yet, but it's starting to come back. So there's a couple of, uh, uh, of headwinds for Europe? Right? Is the the real headwind is is in in Europe its own industrial and commercial demand? Right? It dropped five and a half BCF a day, um, and then it's come back slowly. If it comes back fully, then there's going to be a a big um, a big shortage uh, so uh it dropped, I so. want to do the
2: correct my math, Jack, okay. Five and a half BCF a day it dropped in China.
1: No, no, in Europe. In Europe. So so one of the Which is about fifty one of the shiploads
2: of LNG. Yeah. It takes about ten ships to make one billion cubic feet. So it dropped off by about fifty ships.
1: Fifty ships just in industrial and commercial demand. So that's starting to come back in Europe. And then China starting to come back with its, with its, you know, lifting its COVID restrictions, so I, it, it's going to be very, very tight for a long period of time. The, the, the LNG market.
2: And your selling costs, we're showing our viewers right now, three dollar and seventy eight cent natural gas, obviously down from eight, but above two, where it was a couple of years ago. Are your prices all fixed for the most part?
1: No, so our construction efforts were so good that two of our liquefaction trains came on a year early. So that 10 million tons has all been to our benefit, and the margins have been uh, pretty substantial.
2: Well, if we could bring up a, a five-year or stock chart for your company, LNG, we would see that reflected. It's been one of the hottest stocks, not just in energy, but in the United States. Jack Fusco of Chenier with the ticker LNG. Thank you very much for Thank- joining us the energy power player I mean Kramer will tell you probably the most listened to guy in the oil patch and so great way to wrap things up today Scott Sheffield of Pioneer Natural Resources Scott great to have you on Uh, Pippa Stevens is going through the numbers here we lost 9% on oil the first two trading days of the year before today I could probably make 10 bullish cases for oil and maybe one or two bear cases the bears seem to be winning what is up with oil at 74, 75 bucks? Uh, it doesn't make a
3: lot of sense. Brian, it's always great to see you. Uh, it's been a while, and I firmly believe y'all bring on people like uh, Mamrita and Jeff Curry. I'm firmly in their camps. Uh, China's coming back strong, 2023. Once we see demand pick up a couple million barrels a day, by the end of 23, there is no supply left. U.S. shell model has changed. Uh, ABS and, and Saudi Arabia as mentioned, they have very little supply left, along with UAE. This is the first cycle in 45 years. I see very little supply left uh, in the world, and once demand picks up a couple million barrels a day, things are going to get very, very tight. Why are we at 75 now? The combination of what happened in China with zero COVID policy, SPR, uh, we're down to a 40-year low on our inventories in the U.S. with all the releases by the Biden administration, uh, and then we got the recession discussion, so it's a combination of all three weighing on all prices. It really should not be there. There's this Pretty e- whenever somebody says
2: that's an easy thought. I think to myself Oh, maybe we shouldn't be thinking it that when we have to refill the 234 or whatever million barrels to the SPR It's oh, it's natural demand. There you go. But others say no Because of shale we don't need the SPR Like we used to and there's no rush to refill?
3: Yeah, the only issue is shale is um, down uh, in its growth rate. Uh, it's only growing in 22, about 500,000 barrels of oil per day. I'm predicting it'll slow down to about 300,000 barrels of oil per day over the next two or three years. Mm-hmm. And eventually, and the Permian's the only place to grow. The Permian is going to be slowing from uh, 8 million barrels a day that we've been giving out by 2030 to about seven. And so it's really the, the slowing down of the oil shell for all the various reasons we've discussed over the last several you, you, years. So this morning, at the, you were the keynote speaker this morning here at the
2: the event. You lowered that. Not, it's not yours. It's all the players. Permian forecast from 8 million barrels a day down to 7. Why? I thought the Permian uh,
3: yeah. was growing. It's growing still. It's the only all shell growth in the U.S. It's a combination of inflation. Uh, we're seeing significant inflation in 22 and 23 for the producers. It's a combination of consolidation. As the publics acquire the private companies, we're slowing the rig counts down. It's, it's it's a combination also of productivity. So we're going to what we call, we're developing all zones at the same time. So we're producing less oil per rig. So it's a combination of all those factors that's lowering, lowering the decline rate to 2030 to 7. I know Kelly's got a question. Kelly, get in here.
0: Sure. Scott and Brian, thank you. Um, we had a guest last hour. I asked him if he would buy energy stocks here. And he said the reason he wouldn't is because he no longer knows what the sort of right or normal price for a barrel of oil should be. How would you answer that question? Uh,
3: I showed a uh, we'd have to put it out on our IR presentation. But we showed the predictive uh, uh, capability of the oil futures curve over the last 30 years. And everybody has been wrong. Uh, And we've gone through about six cycles over the last 30 years. We're moving into a new cycle. My best argument is that there is no extra supply for the next five to seven years. Demand's going to come back. I cannot change the volatility of oil. Oil is always going to be volatile. But we do know that supply demand is going to be very, very tight over the next several years. So to to finish it up, and I want to quote
2: the late, great uh, Boone Pickens, who whenever I'd interview Boone, he, he would never give you a price forecast, but he'd say 100 before 60. You know, it kind of gave you that range. Would you agree 100 is more likely than 60 again?
3: Yes, I'm a firm believer over the next seven years, 100, 150 is more likely than 60. I think 70, 150. 75, 150. That's where I think we'll have demand destruction, around $150 a barrel. We'll
2: leave it there. Scott Sheffield, the Pioneer Natural Resources, uh, really appreciate your time. Thanks, Brian. It's, it's always a, great to see it's you. It's not a cool day down here in South Florida, <laughs> but it feels kind of good. Scott, thank you very much.